Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome, Arash. Arash Jacob is a dear, dear friend of both of ours, as well as a mystic. So I know you because we've been working with you for um, forever, forever, <laughs> forever, like, like forever. yeah, like. 10 years. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so good to see you again. Good to see you. Yeah. Yeah. So Arash, um, first of all, thank you for being here. That's oh, my pleasure. He's actually visiting. Our daughters have become really close, which is so sweet. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about your journey into what you do today? today? Because you were at one point an osteopath. And what I hear is one of the best osteopaths in town, mm. uh, in LA. Can yeah. you talk about that journey? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to hear this cause I don't know this story. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You, you only know the recent stuff. I only know, I only know the mystic guy. The reason. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, the, the journey started and in this lifetime anyway, when I was about seven and, uh, I, I grew up in Florida. So I was, uh, um, my favorite thing to do was to, was to run around as, as kids do, but it was back then, you know, you, you really didn't have to watch your kids. So I could either roll around by myself or with a buddy of mine. And, and at some point I became aware that there was something else in this world other than what I could see and feel, you know, between the cars, between the trees. And nobody was talking about it on school, not my dad. And um, it wasn't until... Later on, until I was about 16, that I, I read some spiritual books, um, actually waiting for a, a martial art tournament in the backseat of my buddy's car. And he had a copy of the, the Tao Te Ching, and I picked it up. And for the first time, I felt like somebody had was describing my experience as a youngster. Wow. Right. Feeling and, and just connecting to that unseen, if you, if you call it. And um, that kind of navigated my life um, after that. And then... Um, my father wanted me to be a doctor or lawyer. That was that was the big thing. Good Jewish, good Jewish dad, and uh, I wanted. I thought I wanted to go into business. So the plan was to tell him that I, I looked at medical schools and I looked at, at law schools, and that um, you know satisfy him on that front. And then and then I was going to go off and do my thing. And so I looked around and and um, of all the things that I looked at, this um, um, it was an awareness conference at an osteopathic college in Pomona. Really caught my eye. I said. This is kind of cool. You know, the body can heal itself. Uh, structure and function are related. You know, you put your hands on and you feel cool stuff. I said, this might be interesting to, to go to. And so I went to the awareness conference and um, it was about an hour and a half long. And the whole thing was really boring. Uh. <laughs> I was bored out of my mind. Um, until the very end when one doctor uh, laid on the table and another doctor put his hands on his head. He sat down, put his hands on his head, and right there I noticed, I, I connected to some exchange that was happening unspoken between the two people. And that sort of lifted my eyebrows and caught my attention. I thought, okay, I can take a look at what this is. And that, that was sort of a, really a personal interest, and on, on the side it sort of satisfied his desire for, for his son to become a doctor. And so I explored it, and I thought, wow, this is, this is really interesting. And... Um, you could put your hands on people and you, you could kind of tune into the body. You could sense what's going on in a very subtle way. And, and uh, I tried it out and, um, and I felt like I'd be really good at it. So I applied to the medical school, osteopathic medical school. I was never really interested in allopathic med- medicine. I didn't want to put on a white coat and work in the hospitals. You know, God bless them. Uh, but that wasn't going to be my road. And um, 
And so I applied, I got in, and I started using my hands, and that was really the only thing I was interested in doing. And uh, I found out that there was a small contingency about, at the time, probably 3% of osteopaths who would, would get a, a physician's license, a medical license, and then go out and just work with their hands. Everybody else would just pretty much the same as an MD. I work in hospitals, deliver babies, and so that, that's what I did. I got involved with... Uh, um, I went to, uh, I went to, I finished medical school and I went to, uh, I did my internship at Pacific Hospital in Long Beach and, uh, I delivered babies. I was in surgery, did all the things that medical student does. And then, um, when I wasn't doing that, the, the, the nurses and the residents, which are the second and third year residents would, would call me and me only into the clinic and ask me to treat them. And so I, I probably treated more <coughs> Take your time. Yeah. Yeah. Try to try to breathe. Yeah, just breathe. Yeah. You're not choking. Yeah. Okay. What the f- garage? Yeah. You must have been allergic to something I said. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh my. God. That's good. Whatever that story was. Yeah. Jesus. Oh. My whole larynx just closed. Yeah. Well, thankfully, Water? it didn't close all the way. Um, <laughs> You're going to be all right. Oh my God. I've only had one other experience like that, <clears throat> and it was around a trauma. Oh, wow. And I was in the shower, and mm-hmm. everything closed up. Wow. And I thought, okay, it's, you know, just relax. It's going to open back up. And it didn't. Mm. And I thought, okay, Reese is the only one in the house. I need to get out of the shower, put a towel on myself, and get down the stairs so when I pass out, I'll pass out in front of her. And Reese was your daughter. Reese is my daughter. Yeah. <coughs> I am. Okay, doctor, would you like to diagnose me? <laughs> Well, well, what's going on? Tell me what, what's happening. In, in I can't the breathe. Ah. Thank you. It's closed. <clears throat> yeah. And what was the last thing you heard? And I feel like I want to just fucking cry. Oh, wow. Oh. <sighs> yeah. I don't even think it's mine. Yeah. It's whatever you were talking about. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> just... Okay, I can let it go because it's not mine. <clears throat> I want it not to be mine. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely see that. <laughs> I want it not to be mine. Uh, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> what was the last thing you heard? Um, that you treated all the doctors and nurses. <clears throat> there we go. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. <clears throat> that you treated all of them. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah. Was that hard for you? Is this yours? It was super fun. Uh, it was super fun. And maybe this is a part of the puzzle. They really needed it. They really needed it. And I think in the, in the medical system, right? Yeah. You're, you're supposed to be the authority, right? As a doctor, as, an, as, a, as a resident, second and third year residents. Or I, I was technically a first year resident. They call them interns for yeah. folks who don't know. Um, and the, the authorities were calling me to, to work on their bodies, you know, 
and it was it was just something that they really need because I <clears> think in you know when you put your hands on somebody, there's a level of humanity that's mm. that's restored. You know, and I think folks in that circuit run around serving others and run around doing too much yeah. for too many people, and um, and maybe don't get what they need. You. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just came back from vacation. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's why I'm so flipping tired. Because right. I've had a week off, and now I'm like. That's yeah. true. You did. Oh my, you did well. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! <clears throat> wow, it's been a long time since. In fact, the last time something like this happened to me, it was oh. with Deepak Chopra, oh, and he was sorry. telling a story, mm-hmm. and literally this woman came into my head that this other doctor was treating, and I <clears throat> gagged, and it was that visceral where both these Deepak and this other doctor both stopped and had to take care of me. Yeah. because this woman was in my head telling this doctor what to do. And he's like, oh my God, I just came from her. And, right, right, and I, right. So I'm like, I'm, so I'm really curious if we can end this story so I can get <laughs> out of it. I'm like, I got to get out of this. Yeah. No, so, um, <clears throat> yeah, so I w- I'm curious about your, yeah, yeah. So about I, I, you, I feel not like, about me. <clears throat> I feel like we have to just end it and uh, just finish it. Um, yeah. So I'll just finish it and then we'll leave it. Um, and I think... This was a, a very safe space for these folks of authority to ask for help, you know? And, and I, was, I, was not, I was not of the system. I was not a threat to the system because I was <clears throat> working with my hands and they, they saw it as a subservient mode. Yeah. But it was, it was really sort of the, the best help that a lot of them could ask for. So it was in a safe non because I wasn't competing non competitive way. And um and they, they were they were happy to ask for the help and and it was a lot of fun and we got some nice results. Wow. So anyway. <clears throat> um you okay? Yeah I am. Okay, That's great. just yeah. interesting. We'll yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. Being so empathic yeah. and uh having that come in like that was a little startling even for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a great story if we get back to it about about um fixing sinus infections on women um, if we need to come back that, that was my first foray into it but yeah well just share it now Unless okay you, you guys want to hear it yes sure. we're going to take a little pause for a message from our sponsor and one of our favorite supplement companies global healing What we're doing at Global Healing Institute is we're taking 25 years of research and we're putting it into a simple approach to teach people how they can heal themselves, which is really five steps. First, educate the client. Detoxify the gut, detoxify the liver, and get rid of all the parasites in the body and get rid of all the chemicals and heavy metals. It is absolutely the simplest, most effective way to transform your health because once you get rid of all of that toxicity in your system, your self-healing mechanism reactivates again and then your body heals itself. Okay, so it was it was a senior resident who who had called me because um, she was having these recurrent sinus infections, and so at that time I, I didn't have a whole lot of experience, um, just the four years of medical school and then practicing on people during internship, 
And so she said, yeah, the sinuses. So I put my hands on her head. She was laying on the table. I sat down, put my hands on her head. And, um, and I was just kind of listening to the whole body. And um, I, I felt this, just this call to go work on her pelvis. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd known her, we were good friends, She'd teach me a lot of things and, t- and took care of me. And, and then so I said, is it okay if I work on your, you know, over the clothes and everything on your, on your pelvis? It was like sort of over the womb area. And she was like, yeah, sure, no problem. Because as students, you do that all the time anyway. So it's no big deal. So I, I just kind of felt around that area and I, I felt there was something to do there. I didn't know exactly what. But so I just started working with, you know, I put my hands on, I pressed a little bit in, I was kind of balancing stuff. And, and then I felt I was in a good place, putting the right amount of pressure in the right. And then she just went into this, this emotional response all of a sudden. Right? She just got sad and there were some tears. And it was not pouring or anything, but she got sad. There were some tears and the whole tissue underneath my hands just opened up. Mm. and her sinuses just opened up. Mm. And all the pain, it was like instantaneous. Wow. All the pain, everything just <clears throat> went away. And um, from, that, from that day on, every time I, would, I had, a, I had a, a woman with a sinus infection, I would first check the womb. Wow. Yeah. And, and at some point I, I realized that they're both, both these cavities that hold a lot of energy, a lot of information, a lot of stuff, and that if you clear one, that it, it sort of, opens the portal for the other to clear. So I, I learned a lot from them as That's much as they, they got help from me. I had so. walking pneumonia every year for six years. And I think at some point I worked with you, you told me this story and I never got it after that. Like uh, something yeah. happened, oh, something I, this, shifted. Oh, this very story, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw you, you just sat there and you looked at me. And then you said, I- I'm waiting for the rest of you to enter the room. You're like an accordion. Half of you's here. We're just waiting for the rest of you to catch up. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> you remember that? I, I remember like, that. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> so true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. The womb is such a powerful place for, for gals that, you know, sometimes we're just not aware how much we hold. Mm. Yeah. Well, especially you. Mother uh, Earth holding well, it all. Yeah. Especially all of us. Yeah. This yeah. is true. It's yeah. our nature, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, that's a that's an amazing insight yeah. to have that and to be able to do that. Yeah, do you um, you think women can do that for themselves? I think that um, any level of uh, attention and awareness that a woman puts into that area will just get them more connected mm-hmm. to to yeah. that. And um, and historically, um, you know, people hold their wisdom in all different kinds of places. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, Heart energy is is known to be kept in in the heart space or the, the chakric heart space, um, but oftentimes for women it's it's not whether it's because um, it's not safe to hold it there as youngsters or parental stuff, and they just they just hide it. And usually when they hide it, they hide it in their womb. Oh, interesting. So sometimes the wisdom is there, and you know you you try to tap into your heart, and you can't get anywhere, and you go downstairs. <laughs> See if anybody's home. <laughs> What's interesting is every night and every morning for like the last few months, I've been putting my hand on my heart chakra, my hand on my womb, and just like thanking my body for being here. And then just usually stopping thinking and just sitting with it and just yeah. being in that energy. And I love it. I do it every single day. Yeah, I, I actually try and fall asleep like that a lot. Yeah. Or, or start out like that. Yeah. 
I fall asleep like that too. I love it. Yeah. It's a good centering or something. It just feels good, I guess. I never Mm -hmm. really thought about the why. Yeah. That's, that's great. And I I think for women, it's, if you're called to that, do it because it's connecting to yourself. There's, there's no minimum that can be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And when it's done, you'll know it's done and you'll drop it and you'll do something else. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, just to kind of wrap up the story, so I started doing that, working with my hands with folks, and then um, I did that for about for about ten years. Um, but right, probably within the first few months, I was in practice and I had my hands on people. I started to see things. I started to have these visions, and uh, it didn't take me long to figure out that I was seeing people's memories somehow. Because I would verify it with them. They said, oh, yeah, this happened, or this is true, or that's my mom, or whatever. And I said, great. It's a good parlor trick. I didn't know what to do with it, so I didn't do anything with it. <laughs> so, so for 10 years, I just kind of didn't do anything, and I learned and what I was supposed to do. And then uh, after about 10 years, I really felt this memory layer around folks calling. And so with, with uh, clients and patients that I trusted, I began to ask if it was okay if I for 10 minutes of the treatment. I didn't use my hands and I just sat in a new way that I was practicing. And I would just watch <clears> the <throat> memories inside and around them, whether they're ancestral memories, karmic memories, <clears throat> personal memories in this lifetime or whatever. And um, I started to take my cues from what I was feeling and seeing around people on those layers. And then I started to get things that previously, as an osteopath or any other kind of path, homeopath, whatever path, um, we couldn't get to change things like ADD, ADHD, autoimmune disorders. Started to turn around sometimes overnight. Wow. Uh, very powerfully. Some of them would backtrack a little bit, but but always make progress, especially the autoimmune stuff. A lot of progress sometimes overnight. Psoriasis, deep psoriasis would start bleeding, stop bleeding, for example, and then get a little bit red and then stop bleeding. And then so uh, sometimes it took a few times, but but really deep and powerful things started to reverse and change. And that was my first hint that, okay, I'm on the right track. Hmm. And so that's when I stopped using my hands on people and uh, started to started to just really be dedicated to this other layer I was seeing and feeling around people. And then in 2021, I, um, I didn't renew my medical license because I wasn't using it anyway, and doing the continuing medical education was was a real, real, real chore. Um, and so, so yeah, so that was, I did 10 years with the hands-on, and then stopped, and probably for the last 13, 14 years have been working on these different layers that just present themselves in and around people. Wow, that's so fascinating. I'm really yeah. curious about the ADHD, because that's just, yeah. I mean, it seems like, Everybody has that. I mean, so I think many people. I have that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I can think of a lot of you know close family members that I think have that. Yeah. So do you do you attribute it to something? Have you noticed a kind of a theme? Yeah, I, I think there are two there are two types actually from my personal experience of of ADD or now ADHD. Uh, one one of it I think is the more common version of um, general pressure on children to do a certain type of regimen mm. uh, that school dictates, you know, cause it's, it's pretty much a blanket. There is some individual accommodations that can be made in um, generally public schools or generally private schools, but they're, they're all sort of, okay, you have to fulfill this certain criteria and this kind of testing and 
you know, and, and the teachers, I think, generally are great in terms of emotional support and being kind. And, but, but there is this regimen that they're expected to do within a certain time frame. And, you know, if you have a kid that's super bright and is only interested in architecture and you try to teach them English or history... They're just gonna. They're just gonna fly away. They're just gonna mm. float away, because it's not inside them their heart to listen to that, to do that. They have no interest, no care. And so I think you have a whole a whole contingency, especially with I think the newer generation, as the consciousness kind of changes, humanity's consciousness kind of just lifts up. You get more and more specifically interested youngsters that don't care about this or that. So after third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade math, they don't care. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you're trying to teach them these other things and wondering why they don't pay attention, you know, to the particular subject. But you get them interested in something and, you know, or you ask the parents and say, oh man, they could build Legos for hours and build these big cities, but you try to teach them history and nobody's home. I think that's one version of just lack of interest in what is being taught and this requirement that we and certain mm. school types, you know, Waldorf's, they'll, they'll cater, mm-hmm. but the general school system's not geared to that. And I don't think it's aware of that, you know. Uh, the other type of ADHD, I, I, call it, uh, I call it true ADHD. And that is uh, either in this lifetime or a past lifetime where um, a child's, uh, this is essentially level of mind, is a part of their mind is broken off. Mm. Okay, and this, comes, this can come from extreme trauma physical, uh, emotional, or sexual trauma in this lifetime or past lifetimes you can bring into the world with you. And, um, and whenever a person has a part of them broken off, um, if, if, for example, that's me, and this, this is my perspective from having treated dozens and dozens and dozens of these people, adults and children, uh, you know, if, I'm, if I'm working with them, it's, if I'm the person with ADHD, it'd be like this. And if, if you're watching what's mm-hmm. happening, that person is unknowing to themselves, unaware to themselves, looking for that part of themselves oh. that's broken off. Mm. For those of you listening wow. without video, he was sitting in his chair and just looking around the room. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, and so, um, for example, just to give one example of this, I had a lovely gal who came, uh, came to see me for insomnia. She couldn't sleep and... Lots of difficulties, and um, this happened to be when, when I had my hands on at that point in, in, in my, my work, and um, I was just sitting and watching and sitting and watching, and oftentimes that's just what I do is I sit and I watch until what wants to appear just appears. And um, she's laying on the table, and I very clearly saw this part of her outside of herself. Mm. Uh, it was about four <clears throat> to five feet above her and about above her belly. And I could, I could see the story uh, that she wanted to share with me on some level. I could see the story of there, there was some, there was some um, sexual inappropriateness, sexual abuse. It wasn't crystal, but it, it, you could tell it was around sexuality when she was very young. Mm. And so I very gently asked how intimacy was between her and her husband. So just as difficult, yes, pain with intercourse, this kind of thing. And then uh, at some point, um, I asked her if there was any kind of uh, sexual abuse or inappropriateness when she was young, and she said yes, that there was. And uh, I had seen her a few times before that, so there was a there was a rapport there, 
And I asked her, I said, if, if that part of her was present to us, mm-hmm. would, would it be okay with her if we tried to call it back home? Well, I got chills. And, and she said, yes, it would be. So she, she gave verbal permission, but the, but the problem, as you guys probably know, with verbal permission, it's not always heart permission or <coughs> deep mind, we call it subconscious or unconscious mind mm-hmm. permission. But at that point, I, I, could, I could sense that she was ready on all the other levels, and she did give the verbal permission. Um, and timing was right, she was ready, and we were able to just reconnect that part of herself, just outside of herself, to her. And um, it was great. She was utterly exhausted after the session. Uh, went home, nearly, nearly uh, fell down trying to get into bed that night. Uh, could barely support herself. You know, hands on the nightstand, hand on the bed. Hmm. Um, husband had to get her into bed. Uh, I think she slept for an unusual fourteen hours. Maybe her usual was seven hours. Um, and um, when she woke up from that. It was like 90% of it was done. The pain with intercourse, the difficulty, the, um, uh, the not wanting to be intimate with a husband, that you know, libido being very low. It really wasn't libido being very low. It was just you know, this other overlay that wasn't mm-hmm. complete within herself. Yeah. And the ADD, ADHD, the true one that I'm talking about from my experience, um, has the same part of a person broken off. It doesn't mean it's sexual abuse. It could be. It could be emotional abuse. It could be verbal. It could be some... I've seen it happen with children, unwanted death that's happened in a past life mm. that, that's never been tied up, you know. Um, so, and the room goes quiet. Oh, yeah, fascinating. <laughs> it is fascinating. It's so deep. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. really it's really interesting. Um it can get intense. It can get so it's it's not for the sometimes faint of heart, you know. Yeah, the work yeah. gets really deep. I'm yeah. curious. Well, I want to share. Do I have permission to share your story, Joshua? Yes, I think I do. Um, I was just talking about the story the other day um, because some people may not fully understand like parts of self broken off and to bring them back home, especially if they feel traumatized by. Joshua, when he was younger, like four or five years old, went through a phase for like three months. And I think maybe we need to be careful to call these things phases because it's really a process. And he was throwing like Joshua, who's, you know, the sweetest, sweetest, chillest kid, was throwing chairs and like knocking over tables and wiping everything off of them. And he was angry and yelling and he would go into these big fits. And I'm like, what's going on? And I couldn't think of anything else to do. So I brought him to you, Arash, and he went in there and Arash was just like, hey, pulled out some toys and Joshua played with toys and he just watched him. And he said to me, like, I'll call you after this. I said, okay. So we just watched Joshua for a while and sat and, the whole time was just watching Joshua play, asked him a couple questions along the way, and then called me. And he said he had sadness like hovering him, mm. and he wanted it back. There was a piece of him that was gone, and he wanted it back. So wow. he helped him integrate it into his body. Within a few hours of being home, 
at the house after this session. And again, I've worked with you for so many years. Some things are a six to eight month process. Some things are immediately. Mm-hmm. Sure. But with this particular scenario, within a few hours, um, Joshua called me, mommy, mommy. And he's sitting on the toilet swinging his feet with a big smile. And I said, hey, what's up, bud? And he goes, nothing. I just wanted to talk to you. I was like, yeah. And he goes, I'm just so happy. I don't know why I'm so happy. And I, I was like, he integrated, he brought his sadness back into his body and now he's happy. That's interesting. And he never again threw a chair after that. It was like, it was done and it was pretty immediate. It's powerful. Yeah. Well, because so it's his. They they <clears throat> want their emotions. You can't take away their emotions. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and and and, um, and the funny thing was that he he kept wanting to come to the office after that. Oh I yeah, bad. He did but, because you made him feel good. <laughs> they didn't have anything to come for, so he just come with like a sibling or he just harass his parents. But so cute. You know? Yeah, I know. Aww. He asked for so long, like I want to go see Arash. I want to go see Arash. He met his bud, you know. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm, that reminds me. I'm just curious about um, night terrors. You know, you've, you've, I've, I mean, I won't say, but I've um, got a client who had a child who was like, wake up in the middle of the night, you know, 12, 14, 16 months old and stand at the yeah. crib and just scream oh, and yeah. nobody's home, like just blackout terror. Yeah. And they try to sue them, try to do nothing. They're just like running around in the crib terrified, but there's like literally like they're not there. Great well, question. I think that segues into the whole Josh thing and. Um, to, to answer that question and just to preface it a little bit, I want to uh, just go back to Josh for a second. And that sadness piece was was not something that he had experienced in this lifetime. Oh, okay. Right. So he had brought that and he had brought that in with him. Mm. And so this is what we call sort of old residue. Mm. And and so to be able to kind of see that and he was ready and the connection between he and I was was good and um that, that's the first thing I just wanted to highlight. The, the second thing uh, for some folks listening, they say, oh, well, if, if there's sadness, and this is sort of the human reflex, if there's sadness, I don't want that. I don't want that back. Right? But I think as, as you alluded to, it's, it's a part of them. And it doesn't matter whether your, your sadness is broken off or your joy is broken off or your pain is broken off. Uh, it, it matters that you're whole. And when the body and mind is whole, there is a sense of joy. Right, it's like somebody's honest with you about their pain. You, you're, you're not upset if your best friend's honest with you about their pain. You're just happy that they're honest with you. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with having a part of you back. It doesn't matter if it's quote negative or po- there's no negative part of you, just a part that had a bad experience. Yeah. So to go to your night terror um, question, which I think is a great question because it usually happens in um, infants, toddlers um, that'll stand in their crib. Um, <coughs> And uh, usually, if it happens within the first two, three years of life, almost universally, then it's residue from what they brought in with them that either has been unprocessed mm-hmm. um, or they're, they're, they're processing it. And sometimes naturally it'll fall away within the first four years of life. Uh, and if it doesn't, then it's, it's a loose end that's never been tied or finished off. And, and with with a healer or even parents who are very sensitive and aware. Uh, sometimes parents are kind of, you know, there's too much nervousness and anxiety to, you know, they want to take care of the kid and they're too close. But if you feel like you have a good intuition about just kind of listening to the child, uh, 
um, can can be night and day. But that's usually old stuff that's that hasn't been processed. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I wondered, like, so you would handle it the same way. You would stop, observe, and help. And and if yeah. this child were now an adult, that would be a different protocol. And um, and witnessing to that process. It's a pretty similar pro- protocol, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point, if they're infants or toddlers, um, I don't need them to come in personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I can just sort of see the story through mom or dad or sometimes both. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's an adult, uh, see the story and sit through the story and let it sort of recollect itself. If it's an adult, it depends on how much... <laughs> this next topic could probably talk for hours about but it depends on how much the adult has blocked that part down, off, or away from themselves. Mm. Right? The, usually the child from zero to five, even up to nine, is very ready and open. And you don't, t- I, I never, never talk to them about if there's, you know, I've had children who've come in with severe allergies and, you know, past life deaths. One that came in, uh, there was a drowning and also a hanging that it was, we call it unwanted death. It was a surprise or, hey, I don't want this, a struggle, a fight, and all this, and it just gets carried over. And he was able to let us resolve it. And within two weeks, his mom called me and said, his runny nose is gone, his watery eyes are gone. Wow. And there's no medicine on board, right? He's, his his Im- immune system no longer has the memory of wanting to curse the world or curse the grass mm. or curse the trees wow. or... yeah. You know, you know, reject life as it were. And, um, and so all the quote allergies go away. Mm. But, um, um, with an adult, if they've, I think we've all had the experience, if they've blocked, if they've blocked this piece out, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult with, with the best help to get to, to get to it. Mm. Yeah. Well, would you yeah. say though, if they have a desire, if they have a desire to, to, um, you know, self-correct or recognizing that they're that they there's a certain behavior, impatience, intolerance, whatever that's like that's happening for them, and there's a desire. All everything kind of threads itself back, right? As as you keep working on it, the layers, keep going back and back and back. Absolutely. I mean, if if there's a true right, this goes back to like surface desire. Yes, I want to, but yeah, really, yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> we all have that in some yeah, way, you know. Exactly. <clears throat> I want to change my diet, but no, I don't really want to change it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but uh, but yeah, if the if the real desire is there and the openness is there, yeah. Sometimes it just needs a, a little bit of help. It could be a friend, it could be a situation, it could be a healer. And I think, you know, we've all had that experience where the true desire is there and it's very easy to to help that process shift. Yeah. I'm very curious about OCD because mm. those are tendencies that run in my family. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any specific ones you're curious about or just in general lots? Um, and- in, in general, mm-hmm. are there um, like we get twitchy a lot and mm-hmm. don't even notice it. Like mm-hmm. the ticks. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like ticky, yeah. twitchy. But also there's been in my family that the hand washing mm-hmm. right. and the counting, all those kinds of things. Do you have, yeah. what kind of insight have you had into OCD 
Well, I'm trying to get comfortable because I got bit yeah. by some animal and now I'm itchy, itchy, itchy. Yeah. I feel a few bites myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. While well, we we're sitting too. here, I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm itchy. <clears throat> I think it's part of the Texas protocol to have to have some bites. It's like, oh my God, we were just in the islands and they actually stopped us at the at the beach and said, you can't go in the water. Everybody's getting bit. And we're with this family and they're like, in the 30 years we've lived here, we've never had that one. We're still going in the water. We all went in the water. We all got bit. (laughs) But but kind of just like these little, Mm -mm. I don't know, like no see them kind of things. But we're all itchy. So (sighs) we're all in good company. We're all just like itching each other. Interestingly enough, I, I can I can generally speak specifically to your family because I've seen some of the, the the you know the eye twitching and sort of yeah and that kind of uh, that kind of pattern or tick pattern or OCD pattern tends to run very deep in the familial bloodline mm. in terms of memory. Mm. So oh. you know. If, if you have a particular stress, you're, everybody processes stress in such a different way. Yeah. Right? Some people can't eat. Some people eat more. Some people have a tick. Some people have to walk in circles. Some people, you know, can't deal with anybody and got to go to the beach. Um, but when, when the tick presents, which I think has been a running theme in, in many families I've seen with this kind of thing, that... Um, it, it is a response to processing stress that is very familiar to the family. Mm-hmm. Mom did it. Grandma did it. Did it. Oh, it's safe. It's a sa- actually a safe way mm-hmm. to process stress where you know, the eye will t- twitch or, you know, you'll, you'll have this repeating whatever, whatever. Um, and you're like, oh, my God, that something's wrong. Obviously, if somebody's looking, there's some, something's not, quote, right. But according to the memory of the family, it's perfectly right. Mm-hmm. Right. And there is a deep safety in terms of, oh, this mom did it, grandma did it, grandpa did it, great-grandpa did it. There's a connection to that bloodline. So, so much that, that we're not aware of runs through memory. Hmm. And, and I think this is, this is you know, when, when you can either, with my help, or so, sometimes I'll give somebody an exercise to do, they can do at home or a meditation for a little bit older and uh, if they're in the right place and and they can do it deep enough once you can see the connection of that memory it just unhooks it'll just pull itself back and and then that's finished mm. right so <laughs> memory presents itself in so many different ways that it's for me really cool yeah. What's really, your book coming out? Really interesting. <laughs> Why are you know, writing the book? I know. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> I, I think at some point you got to write a book about, about memory and yeah, all of its about different About everything. Facets. You're yeah. like, you're just this walking knowledge of through yeah. your experiences and how you help people heal. Yeah. A lot really of Really powerful yeah. and magical and so true. I mean, we're all human. And so there's just only so many variables of how you work it out. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and. You know, it's um, on on my father's side of the family. We have we have a history of uh, we have a history of uh, spiritualists, uh, rabbis, and you know, experience with miracle and uh, time traveling and you know, prayer and healings. So I grew up with a lot of these sort oh, of wow. magical stories, and so when I started having my visions of seeing people's memories, uh, and then other gifts sort of coming in, 
I thought, man, that's the coolest thing in the world. You know, so cool. I've had friends who, through crisis, have had experiences. And I said, no, 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 I'm terrified. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Yeah. And so I think there's a, there's a familiarity piece. But I just want to say that everyone has this connection to magic, you know, more or less. Mm-hmm. And depending on if, if you have some familiarity, like I happen to have, there's, there's a cool factor and a wow factor. And if you don't, there might be a fear factor. Hello. I had that one. You had that one? <laughs> yeah, I had the fear. Oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. There was nobody that claimed or laid claim to have the experiences that I had as a kid right. or as a young adult. And so it was really terrifying. I had to shut it down all the time. And uh, so to hear, like, how fortunate you were to have these stories, yeah. like these living stories that, like, how cool is that? Yeah. And, um, and, and I think, you know, now with technology, so much, it's so available now. I mean, it's, it's now it's cool to be intuitive, right? Like it's, 25 years ago, nobody, when I was calling myself an intuitive healer, people go, what's that? And I'm like, right. okay, I'm a psychic. Does that resonate? You right. know, it was yeah. just, you know, now it's everybody and their brother can connect to it, which is beautiful because that's what we want people to do is be empowered. Yeah. But yeah, so we're, we're making change. Yeah, <laughs> we're absolutely. moving in the right direction. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think mother's intuition is the closest oh. thing we can, we can say to everyone across the board. If, even if you're the, if even if you're a naysayer to all the quote spiritual woo woo stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, even even the most non connected to that person can say mother's intuition is very important, very powerful. And on a base level, I think all moms can connect to that. Yeah. As as sort of the the foundation of intuition, which is not measurable. Intuition opened up for me when I was pregnant with Olivia mm. in a very big way through Dreamland. Mm. And that's something I love to share with moms because a mother's intuition, yeah, we all know about that gut instinct, right? Mm-hmm. And now they've actually discovered scientifically that a part of the child's DNA is left with the mother, mm-hmm. I think for at least 10 years. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we physically have a part of the child with us to help mm. us connect. Yeah. But if we pay attention to things that we can't deny, like our dreams, Mm -hmm. if we pay attention to our dreams and we start giving them a a space to be heard, they might start communicating with you more and more. And so for me personally, that was my entry point. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think dreams are really, really interesting because um, some people have them as uh, messages of intuition. Mm. Uh, more commonly people have them as a way to process fear mm. and and so I think sometimes people can get confused like oh was that was that a message was that a you know prophecy, prophecy? or was it Is yeah it a, my emotions yeah and yeah and and I think um, just for everyone listening a hallmark of of how to know which one it is is, is peace you know if if you have a dream and you wake up and you're just at deep peace that almost 100% that's some kind of intuition, some kind of knowing, some kind of message from yourself to yourself. Mm. If, if you're waking up and you're in a cold sweat and you're panicking, you're probably processing a fear. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 And so. also just when you give them attention, though, you can, yeah, you can really start to decipher. I mean, if you write them down, 
and you can go back and see the symbolism in them and see how it may have related to your life or was foretelling of something to come. Um, Or if you're like, oh yeah, that happened. And then I went through that process or what I realized is when I had tidal waves or flooding or something in dreams, there was a big cleansing that was in the process of occurring or about to occur. And so to be prepared for the emotions that would come and to make sure to keep myself in check, like these are processing emotions and this isn't me needing to be emotional towards somebody. It's me having emotions within myself that I'm processing. But that was something that by um, writing down my dreams, Mm -hmm. I was able to decipher the symbolism within myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great, great point. Yeah, it's insightful to be able to do that, to take the time to write it down, to remember, and then to be able to, you know, have a sense about what that means. Yeah. The thing um, that recently happened, just like on my vacation, was with a friend, and we were at dinner, and they started to talk about their childhood, and we were just talking about something, and this emotion, like this is a a man in his, you know, 50s who's very intellectual, super smart, like, you know, attorney-driven kind of guy mm-hmm. and um, and doesn't really believe in spirituality, you know? Believes in me, believes it for other people, but doesn't really kind of buy into that right. woo-woo shit. Does he have a mother's intuition? No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> But what was so cool was he's, you know, he has said this all along and he was at dinner and all of a sudden I just saw this energy mm-hmm. come up in his chest and I said, and I asked him to stop. I said, "What are you feeling?" And he's like, huh. and he and he just started to self-diagnose what he was feeling, what was happening, and in a matter of five minutes, he processed a childhood emotion that had been lingering with him wow. for you know forty, fifty years, and he was like channeling what was what he was experiencing. Mm. And when he got done, he was like. What the hell just happened? I just had an experience with spirit. Like, oh my God, that's so cool. That's what you get to feel. That's what you get to feel. He's saying to his wife and to me and to Bobby. And it was just, it was, he had unlocked his own framework from this is not happening, this is not available to me, to Mm. you know, to just stopping and getting curious and feeling the emotion that was there and allowing himself to feel it. And then at the same time as he was feeling it, he had this other narrative, as we all do, mm. the higher self, just guiding, this is what's going on for you. And, the, and he's talking, this is what's coming from, and this is where it was happening. And this is da, da, da. And so he was processing the emotion, tears were coming while he was describing what was happening. So it was just the coolest thing to mm. witness anybody. So if you're ever around somebody and they just like, just, you're genius at this. What are you feeling? <laughs> Stop. What is that? Right there, right there. <laughs> and um, it, But it was just so powerful to, to watch him have his own experience of, of God, of that connection inside of himself, of intuition. Yeah. Yeah. So all, if we just slow down, everybody's got it, right? Yeah. And to be witnessed is even better because now we are all there for his first experience. He's been talking about it all week. So Aww. it's really, really we have another powerful, convert. beautiful. Yes, <laughs> somebody who I never thought, you know, but actually felt it for himself. And is, yeah, it's the only way. Yeah, it really, happens, the, yeah. really, really, you have to experience it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, wanted to share that story because we all have access, whether you're female or not, 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's definitely true. I think yeah. h- historically men sort of, and understandably so, right? Work, money, provide, yeah. household. And, and uh, but you have a lot of men who are also very sensitive, you know? Yeah. Um, some, some people who you, you, a lot of men who I, I, I've seen over the years, sort of the rough exterior, you know, there's a real deep sensitivity there that, that if you just see, you recognize, it, it just, you can have experiences like this happen to, mm-hmm. you know, the biggest macho guys, you know, mm-hmm. which is, it's great. It's great for humanity. It's great for us. It's, it's great, great for, for everybody. everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. And this dream thing is very interesting that, that, that you bring up because most, most of us don't remember our dreams, mm. you know, but you know, you're using it as a, or the process for you was, was a healing process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I started having, first of all, I think I go through phases where I don't remember my dreams. Mm -hmm. I could even confuse that with not having dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you set an intention of remembering your dream, you often will, Um, you know, just say like, hey, ping me, wake me up. I want to know. And uh, there have been people that have passed and I'll say, hey, like, I'd love to say hello make sure you wake me up if you do. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. happens. And um, it's it's really a muscle that you work to remember your dream. And there's mm-hmm. a whole technique that I have for remembering them. Um, I know it's not ideal. I used to do it with pad of paper and a pen, but if it's dark, I, I know it's not the best thing to put your phone next to your bed, but I put my phone next to my bed on airplane mode. And <laughs> Look I at have, that face. <laughs> I have my pad of my like notepad all there, and then I click it off so that the moment I wake up, my notepad's there. There's just enough light. It's on the dimmest setting, guys, to write everything down and then, you know, leave it at that. And I've really been remembering my dreams recently again. So this is coming up for me. It's gone full circle. But yeah. when you start having dates and foretellings and times and days of the week and very specific scenarios coming to you in your dreams, it's undeniable. Yeah, and sure. sure, maybe everybody doesn't have these kinds of dreams at first. At first, uh, you know, I found them to be just very deeply processing. And again, uh, figuring out what water in my dreams meant for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you wake up and if you go with that feeling, like you were mentioning, you know, like I'll know if this is more of a prophetic dream or if it's a processing dream. Right. And I think uh, we studied Kabbalah together. Yeah. They also say that like if it's in the middle of the night, it's more likely to be a prophetic mm-hmm. dream and in the morning, a processing dream. Yeah. I've personally found that to be true. I'm not sure if it's because that's what I was told. And so now I process that way. Chicken I, or the egg? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it was the opposite for me that I, that I was already having that experience. And mm. then when they said that, I went, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah. it was more like confirmation for me. But yeah, but so true. It yeah. still happens that way for me. If I wake up in the morning, I'm like, okay, that was nonsense that needed to be released, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But on occasion, I do have a morning dream that's very foretelling. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, you rule, rule breaker. I'm a rule breaker at heart. <laughs> and I just like to Kim's break doing rules. it her way always. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what I love about you. I, I think that as that starts to happen, it starts to move from the subconscious into the conscious. Mm, yeah. Mm. So I don't, I don't think it's, I think it's a matter of time to whether you start to have those same visions and wakefulness. Ah, and yeah. you don't need to go to sleep to have them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a, a very good uh, friend of mine. His wife 
would always say, um, I would have dreams of everyone I know, friend or acquaintance or family. If they're going to have a child, I would have a dream about it. And no one's been able to escape my radar. Then she looks at me and she says, except for you. Because <laughs> I didn't see your kid coming. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah a lot of people have told me that, that they can't see stuff around me. But Yeah, well, you're, it's the nature. you're, you're too high up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but <laughs> yeah. maybe I hide things too good. I yeah. <laughs> James calls me the communal womb because every time I get pregnant, I have people come out of the woodworks texting me that they had a dream I was pregnant. Oh, wow. Mm. Every time, like 20 people. Wow. Yeah. People yeah. that I haven't talked to in years. Kimberly, I had this dream you were pregnant. I'm like, oh, <laughs> geez, I better take a test. <laughs> <laughs> Nine times out of 10, they were right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you were always pregnant. Yeah. If I yeah. could say something to that, I, I yeah. think it's for you, especially Kim, I think there's there's an openness that goes both ways. Mm. There's an openness to where you, uh, there's just an, an innate openness. And I think all of us, if we want that, can get there. But there's an innate openness to where you can receive certain information and open to receive. And you're open to allow other people to see mm. your experience. So when 20 people come and say, oh, you're pregnant... To my eyes, that's an openness that from you emanating to them that allows them to see, mm. you know, and, and it's the same is the opposite way. Mm. So yeah. I think it's a really great example of when you're open, mm. how it floats. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Yeah, that definitely sounds like him. Well, <laughs> I'm actually in a space right now where I'm getting better about sacred space for myself okay. and boundaries. Mm. So, you know, I think that sounds beautiful. And at this point in my life, I've been like, I don't have to be an open book about everything, actually, Yeah, Um, which has been fine. I've been fine with it. But now I'm just feeling more boundaries in my life. Well, that, you know, boundaries, if we Mm -hmm. can go there. Yeah. So energetic boundaries. Let's swing all the way back to what what happened to me. (laughs) So... I literally felt like I just got hit with energy. Like it didn't feel like it was mine because it felt like it came into my throat when you were talking. So what are some things that you do? I mean, because I was just, and I notice this when I'm really tired. And as I said, Mm -hmm. I was on a late, late flight and I didn't get to sleep until like 3.30 in the morning. So I had really not, so I notice when I'm really tired, energy can come in and just like literally feel attacked. And that's what it felt like I... I heard myself wheezing and I was like, I feel like I'm three years old when I had asthma. Oh, wow. Like yeah. it was like that. But I'm curious, what do you do? Yeah. Because I don't ever see you like, that's like, that hasn't happened in a while. <laughs> like, okay. A rush has got something I definitely don't have, which is boundaries. So he does have really, he has good, really good boundaries. boundaries. Yeah. Energy yeah. boundaries. So, yeah. And please inform us, inform me. Like, I'd be happy what? to share my experience on yeah. that because when when we were students, um, I had the good fortune of having some really, really good teachers. And, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> and, Sorry, I had to laugh. <laughs> uh, and some of them were really, really uh, cognizant about boundaries and protection and and so they they would teach us that hey if you want if you need this if you feel like you're being attacked you can use these you know energetic cloaks or boundaries and things and I thought oh that's interesting so so from about twenty years old I've been playing with this 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 idea 
and watched people use different boundaries and myself tried different armors and cloaks and this kind of stuff, protect yourself from negative energies. And I think the big, big transformation for me, you know, one, one, one day I was walking on the side. I have a lot of revelations when I'm just walking on the sidewalk. Yes, you do. Uh, I get texts <laughs> while you're walking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, walking meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a thing. I think I was like a, like a traveler or a roamer or wanderer, you know, um, but still I like to wander. And so one day I was, I was just walking and uh, everything that was black and white to me just tur- turned to shades of gray. Hmm. A right and wrong just kind of fell away and everything turned to shades of gray. And I was like, oh, this is very interesting. And then a few years after that, I started to, I started to see um, bad and um, yeah, evil, uh, negative. I just started to see the pain in it. Right, so so th- there is a level of things that scare us or attack us, mm-hmm. um, or oh, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. That if you sit with long enough, that you'll be able to see through that, either whether it's your fear or their fear, you'll be able to see through it. Where you can you can see it for what it is, for what pain measure it has, either innately inside of it, or what pain measure you unconsciously are filling it with and bringing it back onto yourself. Because the mind is extremely cunning. People can be attacked by their own minds and not even be aware that they're... But even that, if you sit with it and you say, how much pain is there? You'll be able to, at some point, kind of feel into it, connect to. And once I began to see that everything, quote, negative is a measure of pain more or less, mm-hmm. then it, the, the need to protect myself or defend myself just fell away. Mm-hmm. You know, So when, when I was younger, definitely there was this, oh my God, I'm overloaded by your sadness or I'm yeah. overloaded by your pain or your hurt or your experiences. I can't be around this person yeah. because I'm just too sensitive. I just take on too much. Um, but then when I began to really kind of look at the thing I didn't want to look at, story of my life, um, I began to see, wow, there's, there's really a different measure of pain than I expected. When I began to see it, then my own fear fell away, my own desire to attack myself or their, my fear of them being overloaded by it just fell away. It was just like, oh, that's pain. That can, that can be there. It's not my business to change it or fix it. But uh, it, it sounds so simple, but just kind of being aware and looking, looking for is where most people are going to say, I don't want to look. Hmm. Right. But if there's someone you don't want to be around or really irritates the bejesus out of you, uh, sitting with that and saying, what, what is it? What, is there any pain there that I'm, I don't want to see? Oftentimes you'll, you'll begin to connect to, oh, in a way that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And once that, once that happens, then there's no need to defend because it's there and their sadness, their brokenness, their hurt. Maybe they they want to reach out to you for help. Maybe they don't. That's okay. Yeah, that's been my yeah. experience with with being overloaded and protecting and boundaries. Because when you see it clearly, then there's no real no real need for a boundary. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of how yeah. I've always taught or always yeah. felt for myself. I've never yeah. really used a lot of boundaries unless, to your point, I've observed mm-hmm. myself leaning back. 
because somebody's super intense. And then spirit always calls me out on it and says, why are you leaning back? There you go. Like, why don't you lean in? And if it feels uncomfortable, then I would throw a color around them, like a pink or something, just like a a net, not to contain their energy, but just to, in my imagination, witness their energy. And then my body would just relax. And then I could like, oh, I can... I can be with you now because I'm seeing what's happening for you and I'm not being affected by it. So that's oh. something I've just learned in like the last year or so just to do when I'm, I, I'm starting to viscerally feel like I, oh, damn, this is a lot. I want to lean back. Yeah. Then I catch myself. I should be leaning in, not leaning back. Yeah. But just the sudden shock of that, <laughs> whatever that was, yeah. is I guess just part of who I am. I mean, I don't know that there's anything I could have done um, huh. I'm yeah. When I'm tired, I'm kind of defenseless, is what I say. The that's, energy just comes in. That's the I think the perfect thing is yeah. when you're tired, you're defenseless. Yeah, and and you have a nice tool with this pink light. Yeah, to be able to help yourself be there and see and you know. I should have cast my pink light on you, Arash, <laughs> before your storytelling. <laughs> yeah, give you some staying power, yeah. and and whatever can give you a little bit of staying power. I think it's it's beautiful uh, when some. I heard at some point somebody had asked the Buddha, you know, um, what do I do with all the people that really annoy the freak out of me, <laughs> right? And his response was, those are the people you give everything to, mm-hmm. right? And and my interpretation of that in the last probably year and a half, um, when I, I have a visceral, and I think we all have this visceral response sometimes of, oh, no, right? Or we back up, Um is, is to feel or to say, you know, this person is my very own. Mm-hmm. And that gives me a little staying power. No. Yeah. And Kim's like, I'm a hard no on that one. Right. That's, <laughs> so so that, that's, that's where I am. But, but I don't recommend that for you. <laughs> she's worked so hard to come where she's at. Right. <laughs> boundaries. Back to the boundaries again. And I did see that left eye twitching, so we know this is for real. Ah, <laughs> no. And she's got that communal womb. <laughs> so we have to watch. Well, right. well the, different the, layers of the journey here, Raj. Right, right. I have six kids. If you're on my nerves, you're out. <laughs> right. right. And, and, and a big fire sign, you know, this is okay. But, but, I, but I think it's a good point. The pink light works for you. This works for me. Yeah. And it's right inside of my heart. And for you, it's right inside of your heart to like, okay, we have to take everything in measure and... My heart needs a formation. There we it go. was yeah. bleeding all over the earth at that one <laughs> yeah. point. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It needs formation. <laughs> and I think this is a great segue into, into, you know, your heart has the guidance for you. Mm, yeah. Right? You said spirit guided me to cast pink light. You said I'm very moved to create this boundaries. And I felt very called to use this language of, you know, this person is my very own. Whether I'm changing lanes in traffic and the, I can feel the person's angry with me. Hmm. And for me, when I say this person is my very own, despite their anger, it, it, it's almost like they back up and they just let me in. Hmm. And that dissolves between us. But um, yeah, it's not for you right now. <laughs> not for me right now. I actually, listen, I have, I have definitely beautiful moments in my life where that just occurs naturally. Sure. But I'm definitely in a place where it's like, 
if you're coming in and you're not respecting the things that are coming out of my uh, my mouth, you're going out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's definitely those people that just are bleeding in and they need... Well, when they need more help or attention than you have the bandwidth to yeah. give. Capacity. Yeah. Capacity. Yeah. And whether it's just for friendship or whether they actually are in need, it's like you're already tapped. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, and it's interesting how capacity works because sometimes I have all the capacity in the world. Mm-hmm. So it, perhaps that's just my heart guidance to whether it needs to be me or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we 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 don't need to be everything for everybody. No, and we're always changing, right? Yeah. What's true in this minute may be not true in three hours from now. You know, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. some change faster than others. So, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so true. So yeah. true. Yeah. So yeah. Arash, yes, one of my big questions for you is like, what's next? Because right now you've been working. So much um, you've been on this process. Uh, it was a few years ago where you actually stopped your medical license. Yeah. You didn't accept it anymore. You didn't continue it. I think that was shocking to them. Mm-hmm. But um, you closed that chapter completely. You're in your full mysticism with these one-on-one appointments. And mm-hmm. now I know recently you've started to work with corporations and with land Mm -hmm. and what's on the horizon for you? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know (laughs) is the short answer. Um, I'm in, in terms of, in terms of the spirit work, I'm very open to what doors open and historically it was definitely one-on-one as you mentioned. And then it turned out to, to work with, with couples, whether it's mom, daughter teams or husband, wife teams or, girlfriend, boyfriend. And then um, one of my one-on-one clients um, asked me to come to um, to a farm that they had uh, because they were having uh, some, some problems with some areas of crop growing. And this is a, a very, uh, very beautiful farm. I'm not going to give the name of the farm, but, but, but beyond organic and they were <clears> doing <throat> everything right for the land. Mm. And, but this, this grove of uh, lemon trees uh, was just not thriving. They were just stagnating and molding out, and it just it was wasn't working like the rest of the place was working, and, and they couldn't figure out why. So, so we we spent a we spent a half day together, um, and we went over to the grove, and it was. So I started asking about the previous owner of the of the farm that they had bought it from, and she started telling me, and it was it was like his energy, his mindset, his memory became very, very present as part of this, this part of this lemon grove, this part of the land hurting. Hmm. It was whatever he was going through, whether he planted it or was going through his sadness, it was like all of this part of land um, absorbed his sadness and his negativity and his upset. And it was all sitting right there. And to, to me, it was clear as day. Hmm. And in, for that particular scenario... The, the, the person who was running the farm, essentially um, the owner of the farm, but also uh, their heart was connected to the farm. Mm. They were unaware of this story. So it wasn't just about clearing the, the, the story, but it was about making the new 
the, the new person who was tending to this land, aware of what was happening. And the beautiful part about this was when she became aware of his story and was able to feel it, see it, connect to it, become compassionate to it, it was like the land just forfeited it. Oh, wow. The land needed her to know the story, needed her to see before it was going to abide by wow. by the, 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 the protocol. There was an, like an honoring that needed to happen of the previous yeah. owner's thoughts, feelings, all of that, that right. needed to be witnessed by the new landowner. Exactly. Caretaker. And then it was able to thrive. Wow. Yeah. And then powerful. within three, six months, the, the tree started blooming. The fruit started growing. I mean, it was just... Wow. You know, proof is in the pudding, kind of thing. Such a powerful story. So, so that was my first experience of working with land, and then, um, so, to to answer your question, uh, I'm I'm kind of open to whatever the horizon you know wants to wants to present itself. I'm at this point trying to keep my mental desire, my mental focus, my mental yes, I want this to happen. Call it ambition, call it whatever. I'm trying to keep that out of the mix. Uh, because that usually ends me down a road to where I end up forsaking, you know, a lot of gifts that want to come in from the side or change different direction or whatever. Yeah. So on, on the spirit side, that's happening. And, and on the creative side, I'm, I'm working on a personal memoir. So that's, that's really satisfying. Too. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love I'm it. happy to hear about yeah. that. Yeah. So people can um, reach out to you and have Zoom calls if they're not in Los Angeles. Do you still take clients in person, but you also do them on Zoom? Is right, right. Yeah, I've been doing remote sessions for, for a while now. So yeah. we, can, we can do them um, remotely on Zoom or by phone. Uh, some people don't like to get on Zoom. And then uh, mm-hmm. in-person appointments are, are in Beverly Hills, yeah. I like old school phone calls. Yeah. Uh, he's arashjacob.com, A-R-A-S-H-J-A-C-O-B.com. Yeah. You also, I want to touch on something. Um, you had mentioned that you were sort of putting the ambition, like that push to the side to allow room <sighs> for these things to just surface. And that has actually been a pretty deep journey of mine over mm. the last year. It's the whole, there's even a book on this, which I haven't read, but power versus force. Mm-hmm. Do you want mm-hmm. to talk more about that? Yeah, I, I think, I think you know, sometimes people might, might get confused about the concept of, oh, I'm supposed to abandon ambition. That means I'm just kind of, you know, sloth and I'm not doing anything. Uh, and, and no, that's, that's not true. We're, we're, we're just talking about being... Uh, moved and heart-centered and, and acting, definitely acting, but acting on your deepest desires, not on mental whims, right? Because mm-hmm. you, can, you can think, oh yeah, um, I need $10 million. I want to make $10 million and go down a road and then heart disease, blood pressure problem, stroke out. You've got the $10 million, but, and then where did my life go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the love, all the magic, everything. So in, in terms of working with people uh, and, and my own personal journey, I found that um, it's really, really important to be heart-centered if you want a, a, a fulfilling life, if you want more than just roof over your head, uh, the, the basics, you know, food, shelter, water, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, if you want a magical life, uh, a beautiful life, a loving life, then it's important that things be heart-centered, right? And I think if it's okay to say, 
feels like it's okay to say, but you would let me know. When, you, historically, you and I have worked together where you, I mean, the amount of ideas that come through you are like... So many. Tremendous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've, historically, we've talked about, oh, should I do this? Should I do... And I think a lot of people go through this, should I do this? Should I do that? And, and sometimes the mind through habit and memory, whether it's your dad, who's an entrepreneur, mom, whatever, and that, you know, oh yeah, this, 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 you can do it. And then the heart sitting back and saying, yeah, I'm not really behind that. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Right. And then you'll come across something where you say, this is great. And the heart's like, I'm behind that. Yeah. And then it's like heart and mind. Or you can go directly into mind and say, what am I supposed to be doing? Is this the right way? That's the right way. And just listen real close. Yeah. That's the fastest way. Right. And, um, and so my story on a heart story, every time I've listened to my heart, what should I do? Um, what I generally hear is not a direct answer. Is I hear the word love. Mm. And I say, man, there's that word again. Right? And there's no direct answer. So, uh, so it's it's been very clear to me that the 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 loving path, as as close as I can get to it and understand it and be aware of it, is the best path for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever has the most of that in it, whether you love God, it could be a godly path. Whether you love beauty. <clears throat> you know, you should be, you know, maybe designing clothes or making making somebody look beautiful. Then you could be, you know, a makeup artist. That that could be very beautiful mm-hmm. if your heart's behind it and, and you just radiate that love. So uh, t- to me, it's been very, very important. And, and so that's why, for example, this memoir has been a, uh, has been a labor of love. You know, uh, it's one of my labors of love. So um, I think... Ambition is great as long as it's heart-centered. Yeah. yeah. Right? If it's mind-centered, you'll know it pretty quick because you'll be sleep-deprived, you'll be exhausted, you won't have the stamina to keep it going and maybe make another one and make another one and make another one yeah. and, and be fruitful and beautiful and in love's process, even though it might be hard. Mm. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. You know? I've only gone through this little shift since I've moved to Texas mm-hmm. and it's been like, it's been a few year process mm-hmm. of really understanding also that if the heart, you know, the chakra system moves like this and like this, but if the heart isn't the thing guiding the brain, then you fall out. There's usually a burnout, a fallout. You just, it doesn't manifest. Yeah. At least for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because I can be very strategic up there, but I'd rather be very strategic about what my heart is asking for. Yeah, and, and then if, if you can put the mind to use, like with you, such a strong mind, yeah. you can put the mind to use behind something that the heart dictates, Yeah, then you've mm-hmm. got the right soldier carrying out the right orders. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well said. Yeah. Right. And nobody's saying it's going to be easy. But I think the reward generally is very powerful. Have you experienced that? Babe? I for well for me it's more of a prompting. Mm-hmm. Like I'll get a prompting and and or, and or just a directive. Like spirit will say, "You need to do this," and I go, uh-huh. "Oh, I don't know that I want to do that." <laughs> right? right. And then there's some big internal battle, and the reason I don't want to do it is because it's hard. Right. And it's necessary, and it's and it's up leveling of yeah. myself. So that's how I always know oh, I need to do this just because it's going to call on more parts of myself. Yeah. And um, so a lot of times that's how I'm guided. 
I'll get a download. Like for instance, my first book I was, you know, spirit comes saying, you're going to have a book. You're going to have a book. I'm like, about what? Like, what are you talking about? Right. And, and then it was this whole directive of how to do it. And then I would just, as I would start to do it, joy would come in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I would, I would follow the orders and then I would experience joy. So then I knew, oh, okay. I am supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Um, but there was always this little bit of resistance because of the insecurity. Like, who am I to write something? Sure. Or how much experience do I have? And, you know, and so it's all that that underlying, you know, lack of self-confidence that we all are, yeah. you know, fraud syndrome, whatever we all have struggled with at one point or another in our lives, right? Yeah. But um, that's, that's kind of how I, I do now. Or... If something is coming at me and if I have two or three different people externally saying something to me, then I'll pay attention. Sure. I go, oh, kind of like Kimberly needs to go take a pregnancy test because four people have called her and said, <laughs> I had a dream. Yeah. So that's another way that spirit will get my attention. I'll use other people and I'll go, okay, I'm listening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if I may, just off the cuff, yeah. to, to, to my eyes, it's like your heart broadcasts through these strands of spirit and you hear them. Oh, oh, which is quite a beautiful experience. Well, thank you. That yeah. that feels really good. Yeah, and feels like, yeah, I can I can embody that. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it feels like. Yeah. I just saw oh, that so thank clear you. when you yeah. said that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Arash. Yeah, yeah, you're very welcome. Come back anytime. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> After I've choked myself to death. <laughs> Hopefully, we won't have a repeat of that. No, no, no. But that was just an powerful story, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was such a. Oh, it just let me know, like, you know, the, the degree that those people needed help yeah, and how, how important of a role. Like, I want to cry now. And maybe asking for help. Yeah. Like the yeah. fact that you were there. Wow, I'm going to get so emotional about it. But just that recognition yeah. of your capacity to yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. And really, and the unselfishness. Yeah. That you were doing all these things and then you still after hours did all these other things. Yeah, yeah I think I was just really moved by the need yeah. and your um, just your, you know, availability. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So thank you. Well, it was fun for me. So I'm glad yeah. everybody benefited yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Before we wrap up, it gets so deep with you all mm. the time. I kind of want to ask you some basic, fire off some basic questions for him. What do you yeah, think? Go for it. We've yeah. never done this before, but I want you to chime in just quickly. Like a like power a question like a sesh. Okay, something. like a, yes. okay. All right, favorite color, you know. Blue. What? Favorite ice cream. Uh, pralines and cream, chocolate, I swing around. <laughs> Pistachio. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> favorite outdoor activity. Watching nature. Mm. Yeah. Do you have a favorite season? Spring and summer, and third fall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I'm going to change that. Spring first, fall second, then summer, just because the transitions are so pretty. Uh. Well, you hang out in all the dimensions, so you're you're allowed to say them all. Okay. <laughs> How about favorite year? Favorite year, gosh, I'd have to say this current year. Oh, yeah, whatever's happening now is for me my most flavor. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Favorite kind of physical movement. Depending on my mood. Um, sometimes martial arts practice, sometimes dancing, uh, sometimes yoga. 
Mm. Yeah. Mm. Favorite moment that healing moment that like blew your mind that you participated in. Like this mm. one I'll never forget because it was so magical. Uh, am I allowed to tell the story? Yes, yeah. please. Okay. So um, this is when I was working in, a, in, in one of my first offices in, in Santa Monica. And I was between patients and I was sitting, uh, I was standing against the, um, the uh, granite countertop with tea in my hand, just looking, looking out. Uh, the double French doors were open, and I was just looking out uh, among the hedges that were across the parking lot. I was just looking at the hedges, and it was like one of those moments where everything was perfect. The sun was perfect, the time was perfect, the air was perfect, and everything just kind of stopped. Kind of one of those beautiful moments. And um, I received this. I received this knowing of uh, my best friend's my best friend's uh, wife was going to have a daughter. And it was like every cell in my body, every bone in my body was a perfect piece and knew through and through. Right? There, was no, there was no no about it. It was just perfect mind, body. Every cell was just like, he's going to have a daughter. And so uh, I went over, I remember if it was right then or later, and I called him up and I said, hey, buddy, um, you're going to have a girl. And he said, oh, thank you for telling me. Some people were saying boy, some people were saying girl. And you know, I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. You're going to have a girl. And then he's like, well, we're not going to do the ultrasound for another couple of weeks and blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, you're not listening. You're going to have a girl. And he said, from your lips to God's, a little bit stubborn, right? This guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from your lips to God's ears. I said, no, no, it, it's the other way around. I just got the information. <laughs> right. So this is the ultrasound two weeks later. It's cool. But I, I've had a few of those experiences where it was just something just for whatever reason, mm. crystallized perfectly in time and space. Everything stopped. And it was just like a godly moment. It was one of my favorite moments. Mm. That's beautiful. Thanks for taking us on that ride. Yeah. I could feel it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think that's a good story to yeah. end on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for all the wisdom that you shared and the joy and the, yeah, you being you. Thank you for your tears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. been a pleasure. Yeah, this was fun. I hope you just keep coming back on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We always have fun together. Exactly. So. Yeah. Appreciate awesome. you guys. Thank you. Yeah, I love Thank you. you. <laughs> love you too.